Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where supermodifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. My name is Tom Baker, if you don't know that already, and we've got a fairly full show today for you. Uh, a lot going on. We will be talking with um, Camden Proud coming up here in just a moment because uh, Camden, well, because we do it every week, <laughs> but uh, also because we want to know what's going on with this week's uh, Test of Oswego and talk a little bit about uh, Thompson and some other things. So um, we'll be catching up with Cam here momentarily. And uh, then also we are going to have... Um, Jerry Kritzman on tonight's show, and I am really looking forward to that. Jerry is a great guy who I have known for almost my entire life, and uh, Jerry's been involved in a number of different ways uh, at Oswego and beyond in the racing community and the super modified community and uh, even beyond that. And so I'm uh, looking forward to spending a few minutes with Jerry talking about what he has accomplished um, and uh, uh, what he remembers about uh, working at the Speedway and such. So we'll uh, catch up with Jerry a little later as well. And, of course, we have a classic rewind. We are at the year 2000, um, you know, sitting thinking about uh, the year 2000 and kind of where I was and what was going on at that point in time. And the first thing that leapt to my mind was, do you remember the the uh, the, the great fear that Y2K, when when uh, 2000 came in, uh, all the computers are going to crash and basically the world was going to end. Do you remember that? Uh, the whole fear of uh, world-ending scenarios. Well, um, <laughs> 2000 came and absolutely nothing happened, at least as far as I remember. Um, but a uh, great time uh, in my life at that point and... Uh, Really excited to be uh, talking about the year 2000 Classic because that was uh, almost history um, and uh, almost a, a a record that I never thought would be equal. Almost was that year. So we'll talk about that. And uh, again, an update on some other things as well. So uh, lots to come here on the Inside Groove. And we are going to get things started with a visit from Camden Proud when we come back around the corner. So stay with us. Inside Groove officially kicks off with episode number 62. We'll talk about that as well uh, a little later on in the show, and we'll uh, get things started right after this. He wanted to be known for doing his best. His best made him Major League Baseball's most valuable player. He played in six World Series and was elected to the Hall of Fame. Although an honest man, he was best at stealing home. But the best quality of Jackie Robinson's life was his character. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson. Thanks for passing it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. 
Welcome back to Inside Groove as we uh, get started for real here on today's uh, show. This week's show, we uh, have Camden Proud with us. Camden, of course, the uh, 2019 Supermodified Rookie of the Year at Oswego and uh, the PR Director. And Camden, um, boy, we got some things to talk about here. Let's um, let's start with what's going on for... Um, I feel like we could actually... Uh, from the list I'm seeing of who's signed up to uh, test this week, if they were all in the same class, you'd have you'd you'd have almost a feature race at the rate the list is growing. <laughs> yes, uh, just happy to continue the testing into October. Uh, I'm really glad John and Eric have decided to kind of leave the track green and, and let these rookies get some time, let For the guys sure. that are going to Thompson get some time. So uh, it's going to be a Saturday test this week. We just felt that was best for everybody looking like rain tonight and uh, oh. should should clear out by tomorrow afternoon. So it'll be a 12 to 4 session and uh, we have seven cars signed up right now. Interesting. Um, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how this works out. I know that you are one of them and uh, you are telling me that you are going to test for the first time with a wing. We're going to test with a non-wing on Saturday, and then next Friday we're looking at testing with the wing. Yeah. Okay. Non-wing this week, and I got it. Okay. And then next Friday you're going to put the wing on. Interesting. So uh, you haven't – it's been a little – did you get out on the track once before, or you haven't been this this season? We did uh, way back in July and had some problems with the rear end, had a leak and some fuel pickup problems. So rear end came out of the car – We've replaced some lines and, and all that good stuff. And uh, just happy my dad's finally feeling better. It's yes. really the first week yeah. we've been able to work on the car in months. So just looking forward to getting back out there. Yeah, and this, uh, well, while you just mentioned that, uh, very happy news that your dad is recovering well. Um, and very sad news that crossed uh, the desk this morning. Eric Sorrell lost his mom um and, oh i didn't know that yeah that uh that came out uh he mentioned that this morning on the line and so our our deepest uh prayers and condolences uh to him and his family that's yes. just, uh wow. you know um 2020 just keeps being 2020 so uh Ugh. yeah we we just certainly our hearts go out to to eric and his family i wanted that i want to make sure we 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 got that in before um we got any farther um so we're thinking about you, thinking about you eric um and uh man so yeah so what uh tell us who else is going to be uh involved in the testing i heard uh eric iosu was and then eric iosu wasn't uh what's <laughs> <laughs> what's going on with uh eric in the 41 car he's just working on saturday and and can't make it so uh, Danny Connors is going to go up and take some laps, and uh, he's done well with that yeah, car. Yeah, is very close to John. John works on his car, and uh, you know they they know each other well, and and has done a nice job filling in for Eric when he's needed to. And I'm sure we'll be able to give John some some nice feedback as far as what's going on. And then he's also bringing his hot car with the Wayne on to to test for Thompson. It's interesting that uh, that's. There've been a obviously Otto uh, had the wing on last week and and uh, Danny bringing the wing car. Uh, interesting that uh, guys are 
thinking about doing that. Obviously, the track not an exact match, but uh, it's close, and uh, you know it's it's good to just uh, at least get a feel for how the car is going to do with the wing, and especially um, I think is is Daniel running the the new the new car that he's got. Yep, the the hawk yeah, car. The hawk car uh, yeah. they, they were having problems with the wing at at the last. At the oh, last test session, okay, uh, went, it went better at Star. They had a good run at Star, but we're having problems with with the air airflow with the wing at the first session. They did it at Swago, so they want to make sure that's sorted out, and and they're going to bring that car out to Thompson next weekend. Interesting, very good. Who else we got? We have Cali Spalding again. Good. The three fifty. Good. Yeah. I'm really so excited about uh, that young lady because it seemed like. Uh, she she went pretty well for her first time uh, in a super made making a pretty big jump in her career um, in terms of obviously uh, horsepower and such. But uh, she the the thing I was really encouraged about is um, she loved it uh, and uh, that's really the key. If you love it, then then you'll you know you, you you're not afraid of it. And you're not you're going to do the work um, that it takes to to learn how to uh, to do it right. So. Um, kind of encouraging to to hear that she's coming back again. And, uh, I mean, somebody in her situation needs all the track time she can get. So it's great that it's available for her. It is, yes, absolutely. And I, I hope she continues to do just what she did last time and uh, run a nice, smooth line, take her time, get up to speed. And, and uh, I, I enjoyed seeing Jason. He was He's really happy at the end, and and her boyfriend, who I graduated high school with, and her crew, and, oh. I, and all of them were really happy for her. So, a uh, good bunch of people there, and they're all involved. You know, Jason with the Super, and, yep. and Noah Ratcliffe with the SBS. So that's essentially a three-car team next year. So I'm I'm happy for all the the Jake's Automotive guys. But um, yeah, it's it's looking like a good lineup for Saturday. A couple SBS guys coming too. Josh Shakolik was fast earlier this year. He'll yep. be there. Derek Hilton looking for some more laps, and, and Vern LeFay will be out for the first time since July as well, getting ready for Riverside next weekend. So uh, it's a nice lineup, and uh, looking forward to getting back behind the behind, behind the wheel. And uh, hearing the hearing the cars in October is just kind of a bonus after the year we've had. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, it's just uh, I, I just saw something online. I think it was Dave Eichhorn or one of the meteorologists up there talking about the possibility of some snow next week. And I'm going, really? Seriously? Oh, I saw that. Gosh, (laughs) no, uh, not yet. Uh, You know, at least wait till November for crying out loud. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, it's just been such a, a year. Um, I don't, if I get into adjectives, I'll probably say something I'll regret, but, uh, it's been a year. And so you're right. Hearing, uh, race cars in October is a bonus and, uh, really excited about, uh, what's going on at Thompson. Um, and we can, I guess we can segue into that, um, the uh the thompson show coming up i mean here again you have a show that was it was on it was off and now it's back on the supers back on the card um and the um 350s also going in in and running at riverside so a lot of stuff going on with both divisions um in that area but we'll focus on the super race at thompson and it seems like we're going to have what seven or eight of our guys at least I'm thinking so. Maybe more like five or six for this one. It it, it depends on what a few guys end up doing. Uh, I know a couple are on the fence. Joe Gozik uh, is actually racing his dirt car for Oktoberfest next week, so he's oh. <laughs> he's not sure. He's running Fulton on 
Thursday, maybe Utica Rome Wednesday, and then he's kind of tossing around between running Canadagua Saturday, Weedsport Sunday, or going to Thompson. Okay. He loves running that dirt car. Joe is just, every time he gets out of that dirt car, he's got a big smile on his face. Yeah, you know, he said it's the most fun he's ever had racing, and that's that's cool that he, he gets to do that. I've, I've really enjoyed seeing him on the dirt, and he is getting a handle on it. He's picking it up a little bit better every time. Well, sure. I mean, it's not, you know, people think, well, you know, he's been racing for 40 years. He, well, it's, it's not, it's a completely, and, and even to say, well, you know, look look how good he did in the super modified at Syracuse. Well, but that was also against other super modifieds. I mean, you, you know, you get into the sportsman division and you're racing against some really stout drivers that have done that kind of racing for, you right. know, however long they've been doing it. So, you know, it's a it's a very difficult adjustment to go from pavement to dirt because basically the way that you think about turning the car and all of that is completely, you know, completely different. So, um, you know, and 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 I just love seeing that seeing somebody like Joe, who's been racing all this time and has put so much blood, sweat, and tears into it. You know, you, you go get this thing, you know, the sportsman, and 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 you just can go have fun and not feel like you have to live up to Double O Joe. You know, right? Yep, you know, absolutely. That's the thing. I mean, the guy's been to Indy. You know, he's 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 won. You know, about everything that you can win in the Super, almost. Um, you know, and and he's had such a great career, and now he get he gets to just go and and be a driver and have a good time, and and uh, you know. And, and enjoy himself, and that's, you know, that's awesome. And, yeah, that whole uh, Oktoberfest deal, I think, is a cool deal. Um, and, uh, you know, look forward to seeing how that goes. Um, but hopefully we'll get at least a half a dozen and a good turnout at Thompson because, you know, we don't want to make them wish they hadn't added the Supers back. So we want to go out there and have a good field, right? So, um you know who do we who do we know of that uh, that's that's going out there as of right now? From a Swiggo, I'll, I'll start with the Swiggo yeah. cars. Otto Sitterly. Okay. Uh, Dave Schulich Jr. is making the trip out with the Stout car, which nice. I'm really glad about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Danny Connors is going, and Dave Danzer for sure. And then on the fence, Jeff Abel, Brandon Ballinger, and Joe Gozik. Okay. All right. So there's at least four. Hopefully, we'll get to five or six. Um, I think we will. Yeah, the Bellinger, they want to go, but they keep having a problem with the footbox on their car. He's like, oh really? He was burnt like badly after Sandusky. He really? stayed out for like fifteen laps, and it just got so hot in there, and they can't figure it out. Interesting. Yeah, and it's only with the wing. It's totally fine. Only wing, so with it's, the wing. It's odd. I, I don't know what that would be. I mean, I know you're running the motor a lot harder with the wing on, but that's really all I can think of. I don't understand that at all. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a weird I mean, uh, you know, that's this is where my not a mechanic side shows up because that just seems <laughs> completely incomprehensible to me, but I'm sure there's some explanation. There's a product out there called uh, I think it's called Cool Mat. Um that you can put uh around that area that works really really well. Um, but I, I, I mean, again, that doesn't solve the problem. It just may help him from, you know, getting the the burns, but wow, that's, that's weird. Um, but, uh, well, again, hopefully a full field. I mean, you know, you want to Thompson, Thompson was weary and then everybody went to star and had a good race and they said, okay, come on back. And, 
you know, so again, you want to reward that, uh, you know, sure. and, and go there and, and, um, you know, and put on a good show. Um, now on the 350 side of things, um, race at Riverside and um, some interesting stuff going on with uh, our good buddy Rich Worth and the JNS yes. Paving folks. Um, I guess we should change that brand for this discussion to, uh, what is it, RWI? Racing? RBI, 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 RBI. really RBI bad racing. idea. Yeah, really That's bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> RBI racing. Uh, all of a sudden, the other day, um, there's a the the O four SB, uh, SBS car is up for sale, and um, Mike Bruce is talking about three fifties, um, and I don't hear SBS for him. Um, uh, what what do you know about what's going on? I haven't had a chance to catch up with Rich. I was talking to Mike the other day, and they they are selling the, the SBS. If it doesn't sell, Mike's still going to race it a few times, from what I understand. Uh, then you have Robbie in the SBS as well. Yeah. And on the 350 side, they now have the Craig Soper car, which was purchased from Craig by oh. Mike Bruce and Carly. Oh, okay. So Mike and Carly own that now, and that's going to be kind of like – a backup car, maybe Robbie gets in it, maybe they rent it out, I guess, is what Mike was telling me. And then he's going to move into the 77, the hot car, the former Dave Cliff car, and run that full-time for Rich. And Cameron Rowe will move to the stout car that they just bought out in Ohio. So all kinds of stuff going on. It's like musical cars. So just to to clear up my brain fog, there's now three uh, 350 cars in that group is what yes, you're telling me. Okay. There's three there. The Soper Mike car the and the two cars that Rich owns. Yes. Yep. Okay. And so, so basically everybody shuffled up one. Cameron goes to the newest car, which is the stout car that they bought. Um, Mike goes to the cliff car that Cameron was supposed to drive. And the other car basically serves as a backup um, maybe at some point Robbie drives it a little bit or whatever. But um, so we added the 350 and we added two 350s basically in the last month and we're clearing out the 04 car potentially. So um, Rob then would be the only SBS full-time racer. Right. Yeah. And then again, it just obviously depends on whether it sells or not. I think that, that Mike is going to end up, running it probably full-time if they keep it. And then Cameron has the SVS too. So he, he would be full-time oh, right, for now yeah. is the plan, I think. Maybe he'll scale back and just focus on the 350. I don't know. But uh, this year he was registered commitment for the SVS too. But this doesn't – I guess where I'm trying to get to is this doesn't affect Rob's SVS rookie season. No. Okay. Nope. Okay. So only the 04 car is for sale. That's um, right. Yep. And so thus, now I get why Rich said too many cars, not enough space. Um, I tried <laughs> to get him to just clear out the living room, but um, it uh, that didn't seem to go over too well, though it did get a laugh. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it and they be. have a TQ. <laughs> oh, that's right. They have a TQ now, too. A, I mean, it's uh, just it's crazy. We need a bigger shop there um, is what we need. Uh, don't don't compromise the race car lineup. Just expand the building. Um, it's uh, that's that's fun. And it that should be interesting because 
Obviously, the stout car is going to be that's going to be, I think, a great 350. Uh, and, and, and I think the cliff car will be as well. Um, so that could be a pretty powerful team come 2021. Oh, it definitely will be. Yeah, we saw what what Mike could do with with the 77 and and also really with with the 72. He had that down almost as fast last year and and has just really taken this year off to improve his craft on it. I mean, he's he's practiced a lot. Yeah, he, he's gone out to star. He and Cameron both Cameron, I know, put a ton of work in on, on the 77 and and Rich was was posting how much the changes he made you know, help to improve the car. So it's nice to see those guys hitting on it. They got Dan Denny heavily involved, which is huge. I mean, you, I can't think of a better guy to have wrenched on a car. So uh, it's they're going to be a powerful team, and, and I'm sure they're both going to see a lot of success. I just love that these SBS guys that I've raced with, watch race growing up, this is now an opportunity, a cost-effective opportunity for them to get in a super modified, and that's what the class is all about. So it's it's good stuff. Oh, for sure. And and I think there are probably a number of people who won't remember because I think, you know, so many of the kind of more more recent fans or younger fans know Dan Denny is the guy that builds SBS cars. Dan used to race supers. He's, he, uh, he ran supers in the 70s, and... Um, you know, it, it, it he has the experience on the super modified side. Now, I don't know, you know, how much necessarily he, um, you know, uh, well, I mean, I, I, I was going to say, I don't know how much he really has uh, dealt with the aero side of it. But, um, sure. you know, I think he probably has at least been paying attention to what's going on. And, and I, I think the 350 class may be slightly less that they have the top wings. So it kind of. I think it's a little bit more, um, I don't want right. to say old school, but, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Dan will be certainly a great addition. He's, he knows his stuff. And, uh, you know, there again, that's just a fun group of people. And um, that, to me, as you just said, you start, you know, with the SBS, the opportunity to go super modified racing with a 350 car. Um, and, and at least it puts you in the potential um, running to at some point go to the big block if if you can do that, um, and I do think that seems to be something that that group is at least thinking about because I think I've I've seen Rich talk about it a little bit um, online at some point that maybe that would happen. So um, yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, you know. It's uh, it's it's definitely like I said, that's a fun group, and it's it's always neat. You, you what we're seeing on the SBS side, especially, and now obviously the three fifties too, is you get these these car owners that have multiple cars, so it creates opportunities that we used to see in the supers. We don't so much anymore. We used to see it for you know drivers to come in and just you know, drive the second or second and third cars or whatever. And this is, you know, everybody kind of works together. That's exactly what's going on with RBI. You've got Mike Bruce and Cameron Rowe, and now you got Rob, um, you know, and they all work together on each other's cars and, and, you know, and the team works really well. They really do. Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's, it's great to see Robbie Bruce involved as well. And I hope we continue to get this younger generation involved. They, they, they got, uh, Rich's son, who's out there working on the cars. It's just like you said, it's, it's a fun <laughs> group. The and, <laughs> and, uh, 
hopefully we'll see him in one of these cars here down the road. Oh, I wouldn't be at all surprised. Uh, the next, well, you know, I think he's what twelve or thirteen now, and probably be a couple of years. But I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him uh, start in an SBS car as soon as he's old enough to do that. But um, you know, we need that that group. We need more like that group at the speedway, and I'm 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 happy to 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 see what's going on there. Okay, so um, what did we miss? Anything we? We overlook anything? I know you've got uh, – we, we we talk about everybody that's going to be at practice? We did. Well, okay. we, we can talk about Thompson more and, and the big surprises there we're going to have. Okay. Oh, yes, that was the other thing we missed. Um, it, it was uh, – um, man, this – this there isn't much anymore in the racing world that truly knocks me uh, over like, like I was a feather. This one did – um, there are going to be a couple of strange faces in Howie Lane's Super Modifieds at Thompson. Now, here again, you used to see a lot more of this at at Thompson um, back in the day. In fact, Richie Evans picked up the win in Nolan Swift's 10 pins in 1975 in the fall race at Thompson. We've got a pair of modified drivers driving for Howie Lane. Anthony Nocello, one of the up-and-coming young racers in the modified division, is going to be strapping into one of the cars. And Doug Kobe is going to get his opportunity to strap into the other one. And boy, let me tell you, um, this could be really, really interesting. Um but Camden, you were t- <laughs> you were telling me earlier why this ended up happening, and of course, you always think, well, there's going to be, um, you know, some sort of uh, a sponsor story, or you know, I just wanted to try something different, or, <laughs> um, but really, no, it's just basically every other driver he had is either has to work, or he, or or in Jeffrey Battle's case, he's going to Riverside to run the three fifty, so he basically just had none of his drivers available. So you kind of look around and go well and here we have a couple of modified guys that was pretty much it yeah he uh, jeffrey jeffrey's a riverside running and and tim is is working out in ohio and, and russ is working so they were unable to go and i was texting debbie lane a couple days before and and she said that that howie might have a little you know trick up his sleeve he's he's been known to to throw some different names in his yeah. cars over mm-hmm. the years sure and, has that's uh that was a shocker i I didn't see that one coming so that'll be exciting i'm really looking forward to seeing how how doug does in a super and and anthony i don't know as much about admittedly doug i've seen run the modified at oswego and obviously follow the tour and his success there you know back with his own team this year so he's got a lot of good things going on and uh very excited to to see him in the super and he'll also be well, there'll be two drivers at least doing double duty on the weekend because John McKennedy will have the tour car yes. and Doug as well. So that's that's pretty cool. Well, it is cool. And don't fall asleep on either of these cars because um, I think Doug Kobe is one of the most talented racers in the Northeast. And I think I think you're going to see that, um, you know, much like some of the other drivers before him, even all the way back to Evans and, uh, guys like Teddy Christopher, 
you're going to see him adapt very quickly to the supermodified, and I think he's going to do really well. And Nocella, again, he's younger, um, but he's he's made a lot of progress in the modified division, and he's definitely one that everybody is talking about. It, it, you know, that, that could be fun too, but I, I really um, – you know, anybody that thinks Doug can't go out and run, you know, run well and run up toward the top five or better um, is is might be mistaken because he's he's got a lot of talent and he certainly doesn't lack for courage. Um, what is it we say at the beginning of the show? Um, Doug fits that motif. Uh, so uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go back and listen to the opening billboard of the show and you'll get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that could be a lot of fun, and I love seeing that because, again, it just adds some interest. It's something else to, to focus on, um, and and that, I believe, will um, will draw – I mean, you know, that will draw some fans and and make some people pay attention to the Supers. It's interesting that, you know, not everybody who is a modified fan cares for the Supers and vice versa. Um, You know, it's it's sort of weird. You would think that, you know, the... Even though they look nothing alike, I mean, in horsepower and all of that, they're 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 similar, and and they both run the Northeast, and and yet, you know, there's two kind of distinctly different crowds. So not everybody appreciates both, but when you um, when you put somebody, when you do kind of that cross, um, you know, crossbreeding thing, and that's why I was I I'm hoping that we start seeing it more. Um, you know, between NASCAR and Indy for the same reason. Uh, and I think the way things are going, I think that uh, that's that's liable to happen over the next two, three years. But um, th- so, like I said, it'll be fun. Uh, who else do we know of uh, that that may be kind of unique or different or pretty much uh, standard is affair um, for that race other than? Those well, it's it's pretty much standard as affair. I know yeah. that Ben Sites is going to be out finally for the first time good. of the year. Very so good. that's really good. Yes, I think they might practice tomorrow too. They didn't sign up yet, but I think they're going to come. So I'm I'm happy about that. Love that car. I do too. Yeah, it's Love unfortunate they want to go to Star, but I think there was something wrong with the the motor. I could be totally wrong. I okay. I, I don't want to say say okay. that because I'm not sure. I I think that's what somebody told me. Um, so that, that stunk, but Ben won there two years ago and has won there before with the 17 that is now Kenny White's car. And, yep. uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing them there. That that's, that's great that they're making it out for their first time this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, hopefully a great show, uh, should be a lot of fun and, uh, we're definitely excited about, uh, seeing supers on the track one more time before uh, the season ends and, you know, lots going on, obviously, with uh, continued testing at Oswego. We uh, we certainly wish you uh, and everybody else uh, good luck with the testing. And uh, it'll be fun to um, come back next week and talk about uh, not only your test this time, but uh, depending on when we tape our segment, uh, maybe some conversation about you know, testing with, with the wing as well. I'm looking for, you've never, you've never raised, you've never tried it with a wing, right? No, we've never done anything with okay. the wing. That's and what I thought. We've had this wing for, <laughs> we've had it since before classic last year. We were supposed to go to star last year and had some issues with the motor in the classic yeah. and we're supposed to run all this year. And then we all know what happened with my dad. We couldn't yeah. get a star. So uh, not going to Thompson, but 
the whole idea is, is as long as the weather's good, we're getting the parts. We're going to try our best to wrap it up this week as long as Saturday goes well, and we'll be there Friday. I just want to give it a try and get some laps in. Well, you know, you might want to do, obviously, something in the future with it. And, and again, these, these tests that are going on, give everybody the opportunity to that's what a test is you know you get to go and and experiment and uh you know try something different if you want to and so it's a great opportunity for you to do that when there's no racing pressure you just get to go out and make laps and kind of get a feel for it uh you know i'm sure it'll be quite different um you know for i'm you. sure <laughs> yeah um you know everybody that that's run both there that i've talked to about it tells me it's it's definitely a different feel uh with the wing on top of the swiggo than without it so um should be a should be a good time for you and uh wish you like i said good luck this weekend we'll uh we'll circle back next week with you and uh talk some more that is kibbed and proud and we're going to step away and come back with more of inside groove right after this is your job sucking the life out of you wake up you can do something else information technology i know what you're thinking but i'm not a math and science person no problem and no excuses because it's not rocket science it's my computer career Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu, that's mycomputercareer.edu. You've seen the paintings. The Thanksgiving turkey being served at grandma's. The weathered farmer sending his baby-faced son off to college. Now be sure and write. The wise police officer sitting at the soda bar, talking a young boy out of running away from home. Where are you going, son? Norman Rockwell didn't create the best in us. He just inspired the best. Inspiration. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove. And you know what? I have been... So excited for uh, the opportunity to sit down with Jerry Kritzman and have a conversation with him about his time at the Oswego Speedway and in racing in general because he uh, he's branched a little bit uh, farther than just the Oswego Speedway and he's also worn many hats. But um, I should, in the interest of full disclosure and because... Uh, I don't think I've even even ever sat down and talked to Jerry about this, but I should tell the story um, about how uh, long I've known Jerry. Jerry has known me since I was quite little because, uh, of course, uh, he's married to the lovely Mary Lou Kritzman, and Mary Lou and my sister Linda were... Uh, I think I've been best friends since St. Mary's School. I um, think it goes back that far, so since their childhood. And so I've known Mary Lou a little longer than I've known Jerry, but what Jerry really doesn't know is that, uh, honestly, from the time that I kind of became old enough to, you know, to be aware of who he was and started realizing what he was doing at Oswego and all the different things he was doing, I have greatly admired him, and, and I've always thought of he and Mary Lou, his family, um, and uh, just absolutely uh, excited to sit down and, and, and talk with Jerry here. So, um, Jerry, first of all, I don't think I know how you actually got plugged into Oswego Speedway. I mean, I'm assuming that uh, probably Linda and Mary Lou had something to do with it, but um, how did it? 
actually happened that you got started? And what was, I mean, I know you were a fan at one time, but how did you get inside of the Speedway in terms of working for them? Well, the, the route to getting into the racetrack happened to be, I went to work at Northern Steel. Ah. The Caruso brothers owned Northern Steel. Ah, okay. And they were looking for help. Uh, come racing season, Harry Caruso said, are you interested? And I said, I might be, depending on what it is. And he explained, you know, what they, what they were doing and what they were going to have me do. And I ended up, I was uh, the second-turn corner man. Interesting. So you, I did not realize you worked for Northern Steel, which, again, for those who don't know, Harry Caruso and that, that's how he built a swiggle in the first place. Um, so you were, you were a corner man as your first job for the racetrack itself then. Um, I didn't know for sure if you were um, at one time maybe like an usher or whatever, but you went straight to, uh, straight to the uh, – I guess I will call it the safety team. Um, I consider the cornerman part of the safety team. So you were yep. you, you were a first-turn cornerman forever, and then ended up being a flagger. How did how does one get from first-turn cornerman to flagger? Well, I went from the second turn. Uh, Bruce Lee took over as the um, starter, and so I moved to turn one because I had the option to move, and I decided I wanted to go to turn one. Okay. And then uh, Bruce uh, decided to leave the speedway and uh, take a, went, went back to school to be a physician's assistant. Oh, wow. So they no, asked me if I would be interested in going to the starter stand, and, of course, I was glad to do that. Well, yeah, I so can imagine you how were. it happened. Now – What's it like for those who sit in the grandstand every week um, and and really have never experienced it? What's it like to be a first turn corner man? I mean, I've I've done corner flagging for smaller types of racing, but never for a, a, a series, you know, like the Supers or you know, at a big track like a Swiggo. Um, so I have some idea. But what's it like to be a corner man for the fastest, most exotic short track cars on the planet? Well, that, that's the thing here. You're involved with the fastest short track cars in the country, and it you know it's not it's a, it's a dangerous position. You never know if a car catches a wheel which way it's going to go. Yeah, most inertia is to the outside, but there have been times when guys have gone up on the curb, you know, inside the racetrack. So, you know, it's uh, just one of those things. You kind of you never turn your back on a race car. That's what I was taught in the very beginning, and that's been how i've done it all along well you uh now even while you were doing some of that i seem to remember when i mean i was still pretty little um eddie thompson was racing his modified that he had before he ever got the super he he ran a modified and he ran it i think on both dirt and pavement if i remember correctly and were you not at one point um working on Ed Thompson's crew as well or helping him out with the modified while you were still working at Oswego? Yes, I did. I helped, uh, uh, we called him E.T. for many years. Uh, worked on his uh, dirt car, and then I worked on his super while I was uh, employed at the Speedway. Wow. So, yeah, you were uh, you were pretty 
pretty involved all the way around. Now, you ended up uh, taking over for Bruce on the flag stand. Um, and I got to tell this story. I, I, you're probably going to kill me, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it, 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 was, it was funny when it happened. And it happened so fast that, that most people didn't even realize what had happened. You, there was one point it was a limited super modified heat race, and you had put the white out. The next time they came around, instead of throwing the green, you threw the checkered. It was the shortest limited heat race in history. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you get a little confused up there, and that happens to be one of those times. I just, uh, I can't remember who was in the 39 at the time, but he started on the pole. I said, well, he had a quarter lap heat race win. It was pretty, uh, that was pretty funny. Um, but, uh, I mean, the perspective of being a flagger, obviously, it's, it seems like obviously any officiating position comes with it a lot, with it a lot of responsibility, but, um, flagging is is really critical and again i ask what's it like to flag at the oswego speedway that's something i've always wanted to do honestly it's kind of one of those things that uh you know it's 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 a bucket list thing i would love to flag a race at oswego just because i love the fact that you're on the inside of the track and yet at the same time that almost seems like it would be a disadvantage in some ways because you you kind of have to turn your head to see everything Well, here's the thing. The advantage for me was flagging on the inside. I was naturally left-handed. I remember that. So it worked out great for me. If you're right-handed, you have to turn kind of sideways. So it was really an advantage for me that I flagged left-handed at the racetrack. And you flagged for how long? Quite a few years, right? Oh, yeah. I, well, I was at the Speedway from 1975 until 2000. That's 25 years. Wow. And and I think most of that was flagging, right? Was it not? What was that? Most of uh, your time at Oswego was flagging, right? You flagged for more years than you were a uh, man, or maybe it, it was, was about probably, even. Probably a third of the time that I was there, I was flagging. That's exactly it? Exactly okay. when I started flagging. uh in the starter stand, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay, all right. So you, so you were, you, you were a corner man more than you were a flagger. It, it seems like the other way around. Um, um, it was, pro- it's like I said, probably a third to a half. Okay. At the time, I, I don't remember exactly what year I started flagging. I, I do know when I stopped. That was 2000. And you went to the ISMA tour and ended up flagging there forever. Um, I used to love the way you and Chuck Hanley worked together. That was really a, an important kind of training tool for me when I was uh, doing race director and even even flagger and, and again, in smaller smaller racing. But um, the, the, the communication and the way that the, uh, the director and the flagger worked together I uh, just thought you guys were a great team there. Oh, thanks for that. It was great working with Chuck Hanley. I have a, I uh, have a great rapport with Chuck, and uh, you know, uh, when it came time that he decided to take the job at Oswego Speedway, he put my name forward to take his place as the race director for ISMA. So I worked about six years in the flag stand and. Six years as the race director for ISMA. Okay. And then uh, now you're kind of back where you started again in a way in, in one respect because now you're back on a pit crew with old Double O Joe. Oh, yeah. Well, the, the, the relationship between me and Joe and all the guys, 
goes back even towards the Eddie Thompson years. Right yeah. after Eddie got done, that's I started hanging around the Goza crew. So I've been with them a long time. And again, I worked at the Speedway, but I still had uh, worked on the race car with the family. Well, and see, I love that about you, and you've had a lot of different experience. What was it like back in the day with Eddie Thompson, with that old coupe that he had? Um, if I remember right, uh, and again, some of you may not know that Eddie owned a trailer park, and that's when my, my sister first married my brother-in-law. That's where they lived. And and if I remember right, Jerry, didn't Eddie have kind of like a, I don't even know what to call it, like a carport that was on the way out of the trailer park where he would he would stick the modified? It wasn't even in an actual garage, if I remember right, was it? There was an old pole barn. Pole a, barn, a pole yeah. barn yeah. that he used yeah. to fix it in. And then next to his house, he built a garage. Oh, he did. Okay. He had a business there for, uh, he sold snowmobiles. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So, so yep. what, what was what was it like back then? Give give me your impression of the racing back then. I mean, I can remember when Fulton was still payment, and you guys would run there with the car. Um, in fact, I remember one night, and I don't even know what makes me remember this, but my mother took me there to watch the races, and um, and I remember Eddie running, and then we saw you at some point shortly after that. And uh, mentioned that that we had seen Eddie run at Fulton, and you and you you said, yeah, he didn't have he didn't have his brakes hooked up. And I I thought at a young age, I thought, well, that's not very smart, you know. But <laughs> I know, I guess, you know. But uh, yeah. didn't, didn't have the brakes working there. But uh, what was it like back then for you as a crew member and to 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 kind of watch those guys run? Because the modifieds on both surfaces back in that day in the seventies were just. In my opinion, that was the glory days for those divisions too. Oh yeah, that those were the good days. It was a lot of it was a lot of fun working on the race cars, whether it be for Eddie Thompson or the Goza crew. You know, uh, just uh, you know, a lot of responsibility. People don't realize it. You know, you're you're working on equipment on a car that you know somebody's life depends on that you do the job and yeah. you do it right. What got you started as a mechanic? What made you decide, and how did it become Eddie that you got hooked up with to start with? Well, I just, uh, I've been a mechanic all my life, even as a kid. My dad owned a uh, used uh, car and truck dealership. Oh, no kidding. I didn't know that either. And so I was pretty mechanical then, and I was a mechanic in the, in the Coast Guard, so it's been in, in my blood all my life. How did you meet uh, E.T. And, and end up working with him? I just, uh, through a, a friend of mine, uh, Jimmy King, introduced me to E.T. And uh, I, we got to be good friends. And I decided to, you know, help him out a little bit when I could. So that's uh, really how it all happened. Eddie, star- Eddie to me, was was one of those drivers. I always thought that he was a much better driver than the results showed. You know, it seemed like when the car was right, he would go. And, you know, he he had some just terrible crashes. And and uh, But just one of the nicest guys I ever met. What was it like to, to work with him? It was, it was awesome. He was a great guy, just like you just said. He was a great guy to be around. 
Um, and when the equipment was right, he was a good racer. Yeah. Real good racer. And, you know, then, you know, he helped to mentor Joe a little bit after he got done racing. And uh, they got to be good friends. So I got that relationship between me and E.T. and Joe went on for years. Now, you have, thinking back then on everything you've told me so far, you didn't have really any time necessarily to be a fan at the Oswego Speedway, did you? It was almost like you went to work for Northern Steel and then right inside the track uh, into the officials team. Yeah, that that's true. That did happen. And then, uh, you know, for 25 years, I, I might have missed one or two Saturday nights in all 25 years that I worked at the racetrack. So my wife would go to events with uh, her and my son Brian would yeah. go. Uh, you know, to weddings and uh, birthdays and anniversary parties. And I was dedicated. I went to the racetrack when I was supposed to be there. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's just interesting that you didn't, most people start out as a fan and then sort of somehow find their way in. And you kind of, you kind of started out as a member of the Caruso family of employees and sort of uh, never got to be a fan now have have you gone to a lot of races over the years to to watch as a fan or is it hard for you to watch as a fan as as a kid i used to go on saturday nights to a a place in uh, massachusetts called norwood arena okay i remember hearing about that i used to watch a modified run there and then on sunday afternoons my brother and I would go to Thompson, Connecticut, and watch the races at Thompson. Oof. So I had a lot of racing before I even worked at a racetrack. Okay, so you did get to do that as a fan. Now, oh, yeah. at this point. And even before I went to work at the track a few years, I got to, when I first got married, Mary Lou and I used to go every Saturday night. Oh, okay, so you did have some time at this wiggle before you went. Over to the yeah. first turn. Okay, okay. So, so that would have been what late sixties, early seventies, or when I'm tr- I lose track um, of time. Early seventies, early seventies. Like, okay. Uh, Mary Lou and I got married in seventy one. So it was okay. from then until I went to work there in seventy five. So we had like four years. That oh, you we saw went to the races. Yeah, man. That's those are the golden years. It's funny. I was just uh, talking to Brian Cavalier last night. Uh, He's got some 72-season programs that uh, I'm going to get from him. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't that I don't have. And, boy, those I started going in 73, and that was just, to me, the golden age. And I'm glad that you got to experience some of that as a fan. But yet, I, I also, I would guess that, again, being on the inside at that time, you probably got to meet and talk with a lot of those guys from back then, um, the Swifts, oh, the yeah. Champines, and all that. What was it like to to be a part of the fraternity in that that period of time for you? Well, it, it was it was really neat. I mean, like every week, you know, when I worked in Turn One, the closest race car to Turn One was Kempton Dates. So I got to know those guys, you know, Kemp and all of his guys. And, yeah. You know, uh, it, there was quite a few guys, you know, that I, I got to know and. You know, we would, you know, go help push them off or, you know, turn them around at the, you know, if they spun out and right. stuff like that. So you got to know, know most of the drivers. Is there anything that you would like to have done in racing that you hadn't, hadn't or haven't been able to do? 
Um, I not really. Uh, I think the the best experience that I really had, other than working at the track, was when I took a ride in the two seater at Oswego. Uh, then I had a lot of respect for what those guys do every Saturday night. I never got to do that, and I I that's one thing I wish that I I could have done. I just could never. Um, get up there when they were doing it and 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 make that happen. But uh, did Joe Gozik, uh was he the driver for you or who drove you? Uh, no, Dave Tritech took me. Which oh wow, was, was another good super modified driver. Yes, he was, and uh, I'm and sure he didn't take it easy either. He didn't. That that was the best part of it. I remember my brother took a two-seater ride, and I don't remember who he rode with, but I remember he told him to scare the you-know-what out of him. Um, and, uh, and, and so, you know, at the, after it was done, I was thinking, well, you know, if you didn't hit the wall, then you didn't quite get scared enough probably. But uh, it was, uh, he, I know he really enjoyed it and I'm sure it, it did, uh, because you get to feel the sensation of the speed, even if you're not at the wheel. And that probably would have been the safest way for me to do it. Um, (laughs) while somebody else is driving, um, but that's awesome. Um, now Eddie's Eddie's modified became street legal. I I do I haven't heard of that being around for a while. Do we know if that's still around? I haven't seen it in years. Yeah, I remember that was that was my first ever um, understanding of a street legal race car. And I remember how every time I saw that, I, I used to just admi- like gawked at it. It's like, how do you how do you get to be street legal um and now we've got several of them around the country in different type you know different divisions or whatever but um that was the first one that i knew about uh and i used to really enjoy watching him run that uh what was your is is there an experience or a story that you could tell us that uh kind of stands out in your mind from your time working as a an official or a flagger uh, at, at oswego well I just think the camaraderie, all the friends that I made, and even through ISMA, all the racing friends. Yeah. Uh, Mary Lou and I have so many friends. You know, it's uh, it, I, it's it's a great group of people, racing people in general. Yeah, they are. Um, it's such a family atmosphere uh, in the Oswego and and Super Modified fraternities and. Um, I mean, obviously, you now get to continue to have fun working with Joe, and um, my goodness, he just amazes me. You know, as old as he is, to be in the shape he's in and to still be able to go and get it done and have fun and enjoy what he's doing, uh, you know, that, that they're just a super bunch of people there in that, that, that group, and I'm sure you're, you're really having a blast. What is your specific responsibility on the car? Do you have one? Um. Not, I don't have any one particular one. I do take care of uh, the front end, uh, the wheel bearings, and grease them and check all of them all the time. Okay. Um, you know, make re- uh, repairs, uh, uh, change, help change the oil and the filters. Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a few other guys that, that work on the car all the time. So we, we get along pretty good, and we, you know, make body panels, make... Uh, nose wings and stuff like that do you work on the sportsman with him too pardon me do you work on the sportsman with him too oh yeah we just went thursday night sportsman racing how do you do practicing at fulton 
for uh, next week's uh, um, Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest. Yeah. There. <laughs> How did he do? Oh, he did respectful. Um, it, it, all it was was timed uh, hot laps is basically right. what it was for all the divisions. We were in uh, the uh, 17-8, somewhere in there. Okay. He has more fun with that car. No matter how what the result is, he gets out of that car every time with a big smile on his face. You know why? Because there's no pressure on him. Yeah, that's what I was saying to Cam. Um, that's that's an out out outlook, a way to get away from super modifieds and just you know do something and have a little fun. Yeah, that's that's what I said. He can just go be Joe and doesn't have to worry about living up to any kind of expectations. He can just go have a good time and race. And um, I think it's amazing that at his age he still has that much desire to not only run one type of car, but two. And that's uh, that that's pretty awesome. Well, you know, it's uh, it's always fun to talk to somebody on the other side of the, the line uh, from driving because you get a little bit of a different perspective. I mean, yeah, obviously – you got cars going that fast, sailing basically straight toward you in turn one. Um, you you got to have some pretty good uh, focus and attention span to be able to to uh, keep track of that. And of course, the flagger controls just about everything, um, you know, other than the race director. So you've you've about done it all between uh, between flagging and and cornering and and uh, now uh, all the years that you had working on the cars and still are. Uh, about the only thing you haven't done is driven. Did you ever have a desire to do that? No, never had a desire to drive. I drove, I raced go-karts as a kid for many years. Oh, okay. How did you do? Any success? Um, I did respectable. I, uh, you know, I won a few races and stuff like that and uh, went to some endurance races and did well in those. In the New England area, New York area. Okay. But you never had a desire to move up out of the carts. That's interesting. No, never had the desire. Mary Lou is probably just as happy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's, it, it's, been, it's been a great time. And, you know, probably if I never moved here to Oswego, I probably would have never done half of what I've done. You know, as far as racing goes. Well, it's amazing uh, the the way the Lord's plan works. And uh, I know I'm awfully thankful that you did move because I've had the pleasure of calling you a, a friend and, and, and a part of my extended family for a lot of years now. You and Mary Lou, and, and uh, thank you both for, for the kindness and everything that uh, you've treated me with over the years. And, and it's been a blast to... Uh, to continue to watch you have a good time uh, working with Joe, and I hope you guys have some wins left in you for next year because, uh, I, like I said, I just think what Joe is doing right now is remarkable, and I know that, uh, you know, we may never see that again at the Oswego Speedway, quite honestly. Once he retires, I I wonder if you'll ever see a driver race that long again uh, to be that age. So what he's doing, as far as I'm concerned, is is incredible. Um, and I'd love to see you guys be able to go out and get some wins. And, and good luck in the October Fast deal next week, too. I know Joe's going to have a lot of fun with that, and I hope you guys, I mean, that, uh, you know, Super Dirt Week hadn't always been too kind to him, so I hope the luck is better this year. 
Yeah, yeah, it hasn't been very good for us. So hopefully this year it'll be a change. Well, Jerry, I appreciate you taking a half hour or so out to spend some time with us on Inside Groove. And, uh, again, good luck with Joe next weekend, and we look forward to uh, I'll see you hopefully over the holidays if uh, uh, the folks in Albany let me in. Uh, And, um, you know, if not, uh, we'll certainly see you sometime next year. Oh, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure to talk with you, and glad to have known you all these years. Well, watch uh, you grow up. I don't know if I've grown up, but thank you for the compliment. I think I've just become an older kid. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> have a good rest of your night, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> okay, Tom. Thanks for calling. All right, that was Jerry Kritzman, and uh, we're going to be back on. The Inside Groove Show, right after these words. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. Beware of telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you. Call is threatening you with arrest or other legal action and demanding money are not from us. If you receive a call like this, Hang up, do not provide them with any form of payment or information. Report the call at oig.ssa.gov. Welcome back to Inside Groove. I hope you all enjoyed uh, that interview with Jerry Kritzman. Uh, As I said, uh, Jerry's a man that I've uh, looked up to and respected uh, ever since uh, I was a little, little kid and uh, just really had a ton of fun. Uh, with him over the years and and with Mary Lou and, of course, uh, my sister and brother-in-law as well. Um, So it was fun to uh, get the chance to talk to Jerry. And uh, we spoke after the interview a little bit. Uh, Hopefully he'll he'll be back on again at some point down the road uh, to tell some more stories. So uh, with that, I want to move us on in our classic rewind because, of course, uh, this... You know, we we always don't have any racing at Oswego all year, and next year we're getting two classics, uh, which is really amazing. I hope, I pray uh, that we're going to get two classics. And we are on uh, the year 2000. We've still got, uh, we've been doing five-year intervals. If you're listening to this for the first time, uh, we've been uh, doing what we call Classic Rewind. We started... Uh, 45 years ago, back in 1975, and then we've done five-year intervals all the way through, so we went from 75 to 80 to 85 to 90 to 95, and now we are at uh, the year 2000, and this this race, boy, this race was uh, about three laps away from being uh, historic. Um, not to say that uh, a, a classic win by Greg Furlong isn't historic. I don't want to detract from the fact that Greg won, but uh, Randy Ritzkis led almost all 200 laps. And then Greg uh, got him in traffic. And, um, 
you know, I, I think the world of Randy and and uh, have always enjoyed watching him run and uh, just absolutely love him up in the booth. I think he's a tremendous color man. Um, love his sense of humor and love his honesty up there and uh, doesn't mince words. But, um, man, I just was thankful Greg passed him. I have to be honest about that. That's going to sound terrible. I'm sorry, Randy. I really feel bad. But, you know, I just I don't ever want to see Jimmy Champagne's record equaled. I just don't. Y'all can at me if you want. I just don't. I'm sorry. Um, you know, Jimmy was my hero. And, and honestly, um, when he did it, not only was it the first time it had been done, but Jimmy did it the Jimmy did it in a way that that I mean, I've seen a couple guys take a run at it here in more recent times. And, you know, they just pull away and try and lap the field. And, and uh, you know, it, it's just a terrible race. The, the, when Jimmy did it, 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 I don't know that it was, I mean, it, I guess it wasn't probably a great race if you weren't a Champagne fan. But, um, but Jimmy didn't, he wasn't so far ahead for the entire race that uh, you never um had any sense that he may lose it um you know or, or may not lose it that somebody couldn't catch him later in the event in fact uh, there was a late race restart um and both Doug Haveron and Jim uh Steve Joya were right on Jimmy's back bumper uh and honestly I wonder what might have happened of course you can always what if but you know had Eddie Bellinger not had mechanical problems that year I wonder what might have happened because uh, I'm not saying Jimmy wouldn't have won, but, you know, I would think that he probably wouldn't have led all 200 laps. So um, that's just there. I, I love seeing records fall, but that's one I hope never does. I'm, I'm sorry. I know that sounds terrible and I really don't mean it personal toward anybody. Um, and if somebody does it well, you know, um, so be it. But, uh, you know, I just that that was a that was a weird race. In a weird year, really, when you look at uh, when you look at the, the the field that year, I mean, just running down through the time trial list for the more interesting stories, and I'm not looking at times just yet. I'm just looking at uh, names in the uh, list of time trialers. Jennifer Chesborough was uh, racing at that time, and um it was neat to see uh jennifer i think she started a year or two before um and it was neat to see jennifer in the field she was one of the actually i think she was the first female super modified driver of my uh time going to the track i don't remember another one before her when i was going um i don't think there had been um you had bobby bond was starting to come on in the 25 louis sacconi was there in the four um and you had Doug um, Doug Braver from uh, New England. Jamie Moore was in the uh, 88 car that year. Uh, of course, Jeff West. You had Randy Ritzkis in the 29 car for, for Dunnigan. Uh, Randy ended up qualifying on the outside pole. Greg Furlong was your pole sitter in the 72. Um, you know, it was just a strange year. Pat Abold was driving the uh, the six car for Clyde Booth still at that point. 
Um, Otto Sitherly had started to come on with the 79, and uh, who knew back then, right, <laughs> that he would do all that he's done. Man, oh, man. Um, Joe Gozik was actually driving the other Dunnigan car, the 26 car that year, and Joe qualified fourth. I had mentioned last week that Joe in the 90s just did not have, for the most part, from about 94 or so onward, did not have good luck at all in qualifying um, and uh, snapped that in 2000 with the Dunnigan car. Um, Bentley Warren was driving for Mike Muldoon again. It was the second time that Bentley had driven for Mike. Um, and, you know, he had he had similar luck. I mean, <laughs> there are similar results this time. You know, he just... Uh, the the way that Mike sets up a car um, is just not it, it was not really set up for Bentley's style of driving, and you know it, it again it it doesn't say anything negative about either of them. It's just sometimes you can't get on the same page, and um, you know I remember Bentley saying in his book that uh, the, the, basically what I just said. Sometimes you know. The, the the car needs to be set up to the driver and sometimes the driver and the in the in the uh, mechanic or team owner or whatever just can't quite get together on what they need and you know Mike had told him that uh, a you know a, a, a trained monkey could drive the car and Bentley said in retrospect maybe he should have hired the monkey um, but uh, Bentley qualified 24th with with the car um, ran a 174 and just to give you an idea pull time was a 166. Um, so Bentley was considerably off the pace. Davey Hamilton was his teammate that year, and Davey qualified fifth with a 69. So, you know, you could see Bobby Smith driving the 91. Um, man, I miss Smitty. I just miss him so badly. He was such a nice guy. And, uh, again, I always thought a driver who, um, you know, really had – I remember him when he started to drive modifieds. He ran for Tony Vecchio a number of times in the modifieds. And boy, did old Smitty get that car around. He, I think he finished sixth the one night. Um, and, uh, yeah, he just, uh, I miss Smitty terribly, and I know a lot of people do. Um, Fern Lefebvre was racing in the Swiggo that year in the 97. Um, Gary Sorrell was still racing at that time in the 08. Billy Sharkey in that number seven. I loved that car seven that Billy, Billy had. Um, and I think... If I'm not mistaken, I think that might have been the one that ended up in the garage fire. Um, but, boy, that was, a, that was a good car for him, I thought. Um, of course, Eddie Bellinger still in his 0-2 at that point. Dave McKnight running for the Lichties. Um, you had Jerry Curran. Mike Ordway was driving Todd Stoll's backup car, 39. And uh, Joey Payne was in the 6 I'm thinking maybe. I'm trying to remember what, that, what car that would have been. Um... Gosh, I want to think it might have been Jack Carr's car from back in the day, but I don't think that was still around. I don't know. Um, maybe somebody can drop a comment uh, about what that what car that would have been. Uh, Brian Sweeney and Tim uh, Devendorf also running. Shannon Groves, another really nice guy, was in the field that year. Dave Schulich Jr. driving the uh, 38 car. Timmy, uh, Timmy J. in the 85. Gary Morton was in the 99. That was... Uh, he was driving for uh, Pat and Terry Strong at that point. And uh, um, well, it says Howlett Tulip in the 52. I don't know about that one. Maybe somebody can clear that one up. 
I think it might. Maybe that should be 56. I don't recall that he ever drove for. Uh, well, he may have. I don't recall him driving for Craig Danzer, but it's possible. So uh, it was an interesting time trial. I mean, if you look at, again, we'll go through the top 10 here. I won't run through them all this time, but um, your poll sitter, as I mentioned, was Greg Furlong. Outside of the poll was Randy Redskis. And then you had uh, Ray Graham Jr. in the 90, qualified third, 69.37. Gozik was fourth with a 26 car with a 69.50. P5 was Hamilton. He had a 9.70. P6 was Timmy Grew in the five. I didn't mention him. Um, Timmy, 69.85. P7 was Jamie Ledger. He had a great qualifying run that year, 17.033 to start. Uh, to start seventh. Um, always enjoyed uh, talking to Jamie. He was a nice kid. Bob Gudermout, another great boy. Do we? Man, this is a this is. A, um, there there are some guys in this field that um, we just really miss badly. Um, super nice guy. Seventeen oh four eight. He was P eight. P nine was uh, Ordway in the thirty nine with a two four eight. And P10 was Jeff West with a 203. Oh, sorry, Ordway a 153. And then uh, Westy at a uh, 203 for P10. Um, I'll go through the rest of them. Just won't mention the times. Sitterly was 11th. Dave McKnight was 12th. Bellinger, 13th. Jerry Curran, 14th. Howie Page, P15 that year. 16th was Joey Payne, 17th. Pat Abold, um... Where is P18? Gary Morton, P18 that year in the 99. P19 was Tim Proud in the 22. Okay, I I knew Tim. I couldn't remember if it was uh, 2000 or 2001 that that Tim ran, but uh, it was 2000. And um, again, qualifying into the uh, the field that year, P19. P20 was... Uh, Louis Sacconi in the four car P21. Todd Stoll went out right after him. P22 was Dave Tritek in the 70. P23, Jamie Moore in the 88. And P24 was Bentley in the 50. Uh, Sonier, Doug Sonier in the 71 car was uh, the 25th qualifier. And I would guess that uh, that was probably a, a uh, guaranteed starter situation. So that was your qualifying. Now, the the race itself, of course, as I said, the the story up front um, was it was all Randy Redskis for a hundred. I think he lay one ninety seven. I think is what it was. Um, they came into traffic, and um, it was. Uh, it was close. I mean, it was one of those deals where, boy, they got into traffic and it looked a couple times like Greg might get him and then he didn't. And then finally he got through um, and uh, and Greg ended up winning. Uh, it was really incredible. Um, and uh, a- a- another another win that was Greg's second in a row at that point. Um the uh you know the race itself i mean it was it was uh pretty much all up front is is was the story of the race um timmy devendorf ended up winning the b main that year um gozik uh ended up 
uh, ended up with a brush with the wall that eliminated him. Eddie Bellinger was actually driving the Page O2 that year and uh, spun and lost a lap, uh, getting the car turned around. Um, I mean, there wasn't a, it wasn't a truly eventful classic. Tritech and McKnight tangled up on uh, lap 126. But um, the real story was Randy Ritzkis until it became Greg Furlong. And uh, we all knew Greg went on to, uh, to win six. I mean, that was uh, just an incredible run for him. Um, Furlong getting the uh, classic win. Ritzkis second in the 29. Joey Payne third. Davey Hamilton fourth. Timmy Garou fifth. Sidderly, Sacconi, Jamie Morris, Scott Martell, and Gary Morton rounding out the top 10. Bentley managed an 11th um, with the 50 that year, better than the, the first time he drove for Mike. Uh, and again, there's no blame here. It just was one of those things where you just, you know, it was a different type of driving style than uh, Bentley was used to that the car required. And I'm sure Mike tried to, to make it what he wanted, but uh, um, just couldn't uh, couldn't make make everybody get on the same page. Sweeney, 12th, Kern, Sonier, Page, Lefebvre, Goodermount, West, Bellinger, and Stoll rounding out the top 20. And then Graham, um, let's see, Boisvert, Bond, Snyder, McKnight, Ordway, Tritech, Abel, Bletcher, Groves through 30, and then Gozik, Douglas, Stevendorf, Proud, and Schulich Jr. rounding out the 35-car starting field to start uh the 2000s and you know that was really uh the beginning of that era was definitely the furlong era of course tim snyder snuck one in uh which again was that was great to see tim um get his first ever win at oswego in the classic passing furlong in traffic to do it and at that point i would argue he was passing the best guy in the field because greg was mr classic of the early part of the the decade and then of course Otto came on later uh and Bobby Bond won a couple and so forth but um I would I would definitely suggest that Furlong was uh, one of the greatest of all time in the classics and certainly of that that period of time I think just like you could argue that uh you know Swifty had a period Jimmy Champagne had a period um and again they didn't you know Jimmy didn't win a bunch of classics but certainly owned a period of time at the Speedway. Uh, and then, you know, of course, Haveron had a quick period. Uh, then he moved on and did other things, and Bentley had about two and a half periods, uh, <laughs> along with uh, a, a number of other folks, uh, like Joe Gozik, who kind of, um, you know, there were several, I think in some of Bentley's periods, there were some other drivers who were real close to him. Of course, Bellinger um, was in... He kind of, uh, I mean, Eddie Eddie was one of the best from about 74 forward, really. Um, and uh, you could say that he had some of his best accomplishments um, throughout a number of people's periods. <laughs> you know, I don't know that he ever owned a period, but he certainly had um, great success um, in several other drivers' periods. Uh you know, he, he won the big one in 83 and then won it again uh, in 85, which, you know, kind of was in the middle of Bentley or in the beginnings of Bentley's run with Bali. Uh, and, you know, then won it, what what was it, 88, I think, again. Um, you know, he won uh, and then won it again in the 90s, um, driving for the Graves. And so, um, 
you know, he there were different drivers like that that would that came along that sort of owned a small period. Pat Abold had a couple of years where he was kind of the guy to beat, but um, you know, you had Didero and Muldoon um, for a couple of years there in the mid nineties, uh, and you know, obviously some of these guys at different times had better years than others. But just looking at it again in terms of sort of clumps of time, um, you know. I would argue that Furlong certainly owned a period of time, as has Otto, for the most part, since uh, he's been with John Nicotra. Uh, It's been more Otto than anyone else, I would say, with, again, a number of other drivers who have certainly been strong, but nobody has owned the latter part of the 2000s up to current, like Otto has, of course, so... Um, you know, just, uh, it's interesting in the history of the Speedway, how you can look at drivers like that and look at periods of time. And really, uh, Bentley's probably had, I mean, if you, if you go all the way back to the sixties, Bentley had probably the longest, uh, successful run. He was interrupted for a few years with his USAC stuff and whatever, but uh, and he had some years in the late 70s into the early 80s where uh, he didn't win as much or run as well because he was spending so much time with a business that he didn't have the maintenance program for the cars he was driving. But it wasn't as though he wasn't competitive for wins or, or at least for, you know, top three, top five. He just, you know, he just wasn't winning very much for a few years there. And as soon as he got into current equipment, you saw what he did with it and um, had, boy, uh, the Havrons and uh, Bali and Mazer and Dunnigan, uh, and then not so much at Oswego, um, though he did win the, the Isma race with uh, Ed Shea. Um, but certainly, or not Ed Shea, but uh, Vic Miller, um, who is sponsored by Ed Shea, so I was kind of right. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, there were about four or five car owners there in which Bentley just was massively successful for a lot of years in his, you know, after his comeback. Uh, and you could start that all with Dave Snyder in 1976. So if you go Snyder, Hevron, Bally, um, Mazer, Dunnigan, and Vic Miller, there's at least six right there. Um, an incredible run for the guy. But um, in 2000, Greg Furlong got the win. We will uh, take a look next week at the 2005. We've, we'll, we'll go 2005, 2010, 2015, and then, of course, uh, 2020 um, will be 2021. Classic 64, as Camden has tagged it. Um, so uh, we'll look at uh, the next three classics that led us up to what would have been this year's but didn't happen uh coming up in the next three inside groove shows okay um we we will have uh, a preview of thompson and i've kind of i decided to go ahead and save talking to our star classic winner i'm going to try to reach out to um to him to john mckennedy again um for the next show for this coming week because i want to get that out pre-thompson and I figured it would be good to kind of talk to him closer to that race. He's got a chance to win the final two races of the year and actually 
Uh, he's going to be running both supers and modifieds at Thompson as uh, he will be driving in the modified portion, I think, for Tommy Baldwin. So uh, that will be fun to watch uh, McKennedy do the double. And I can update something that we talked about earlier in this show. We taped Camden's interview on Friday. So if you listen to that, which kind of started the official portion of the show, um, we taped that on Friday, and uh, Camden went out and did run uh, 16.8, I think he ran, in the uh, the timing. Um, I'm going to let him, we'll talk about uh, this week's uh Test and Tune or Fast Friday or Super Saturday, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> we'll talk about uh, what happened yesterday at the practice of uh, this coming show with Cam. Um, and uh, we may also have another one next week. And then we'll preview Thompson as well. But uh, Camden went out. He did get to, to 16.8, which wasn't too bad. Still having a fuel pickup problem. But the, what I wanted to update was... Uh, when I talked to Camden in the opening segment, which was taped on Friday, we uh, revealed that um, Howie Lane was going to have a pair of modified racers in his car for Thompson, Anthony Nocella, one of the rising stars up in New England, and Doug Kobe, um, who has won a handful of NASCAR Wheel and Tour championships. Well, um, that's been there's been an update because uh, Doug didn't fit in the car properly, so he is not going to drive at Thompson. Um, not sure is going to be in the car that Doug was scheduled to drive, but Anthony Osella did get some uh, warm up laps, and I understand he did just fine. So it uh, should be fun to watch him, and uh, we'll see who replaces Doug Kobe. That's too bad. I really wanted to see Doug in the car. I think he would have done fantastically and probably would have enjoyed himself tremendously in it too. Um, you know, it's uh, we've had. Uh, somebody pointed out the other day that uh, Ron Silk had uh, driven at Oswego, and I'd forgotten about that for uh, Ray Graham um, until they mentioned it. Uh, but uh, Ron Silk did really well at Oswego. If you remember several years back, he had, goodness gracious, I think he had the left front hanging it just the way Bentley used to. It seemed, I think it was the left front he was picking up. Um, but it was... Uh, it was a ball to watch him in the 91 car that year. Um, and so hopefully we can, uh, maybe we can get Doug in the super some other time at, uh, in some other way. That would be a lot of fun. He's a great guy, a lot of fun to talk to. And uh, don't fall asleep on Anthony Nacella. He's a, he's a talented young racer, uh, and this will be a good opportunity for him to do something outside of what he's used to. And if he can uh, do well in this, and remember, folks, I mean, I'm not going to predict him to win by any means because you never know how that's going to work out, but there is precedent. Richie Evans jumped to Nolan Swift's car and um, basically, I think, led start to finish in 1975 at Thompson. And uh, Teddy Christopher won one of his super-modified wins driving for Paul Dunnigan, I believe it was, um, at uh, Thompson as well. So we've had a pair uh, of successful modified racers. And, of course, you know, back in the day, uh, we used to get a bit of crossover, but mostly it was super drivers going to modifieds. I don't remember too many of the uh, too many of the modified guys. Maynard Troyer, of course, um, had some had ran Jimmy Champagne's car in the 77 Classic and then turned it over to him when uh, his other car, Jimmy's other car, broke and um, drove his own car for, for a few weeks uh, after he built it for Dean Hogue, I think 1980, 
was that year. And uh, gosh, who else? I know there have been some others. Um, Larry Nye has driven Blake Carnahan. This goes back to the 70s. Um, those two both uh, in the C-15 for Hermie Graf. Um, I know there have been others, and I'm just going to draw a blank here. Um, but uh, it, it was always it's always fun. It was always fun. Richie, of course, had the, the uh, ex-Ronnie Wallace 76. He ran it once at Star, and I think that's all he ran it, and I think the car broke. And then uh, Ronnie bought it back. That was in 1979. And uh, Ronnie bought it back and, uh, and ran it for the balance of that year. But uh, I think who else? Jeff Bodine had a couple of opportunities in a super modified. Ran the whole 72 season in an XND car rear engine. Um, they put a roll cage on it and brought it to Oswego. And uh, if I remember hearing... If I remember the story correctly, it was fast, but they kept having overheating problems and, and other other issues. It, uh, it didn't finish a lot of the time, but uh, it was fast while he was driving it. He ran the Clyde Booth car one year uh, and was go- in classic, time-trialed it into the field. Um, that might have been 79 also, 78 or 79. And then he um, the race rained out. And they had to run it on Monday, and he had a modified commitment in New England. So he had to go there, got out of the car, and Dave Thomas got in, and the brakes failed, and he destroyed the car in the classic race. I remember uh, who else? Let's see. Oh, gosh, uh, Gary Ewell, uh, who was a two-surface modified racer. Gary ran supers a few times, had some horrible luck, though. He destroyed one Troyer car and um, had a real hard crash in Skip Matzik's car, too. With uh, that was Troyer built, if I re- recall correctly as well, and never did come back driving that again. Um, so there were, I mean, there were a number. I'm sure I'm missing even more. Um, Graham Belia, back in the 60s. Let's see. Um, he raced a bit and then went to modifieds, and um, I don't think he ever came back to supers. Mike Losher came out of the Modifieds into the Supers in the early 70s, ran a year or so, not even a year, I don't think, and then uh, went back to Modifieds. Um, gosh, Bobby Mers and Dutch Hogue um, both had some time in the Turner Brothers Super Modified car in the 70s. Like I said, it happened a lot more back in the day. Greg Sachs in the early 80s or mid-80s drove uh, Jim Martell's car at one point had a nice time trial run and did a nice job in the classic with it. I think he might have run it a time or two elsewhere too. Um, man, uh, I'm sure there were there were others that I'm missing. Um, I think Bob Sweeney uh, might have come from modifieds to supers maybe once or twice. Guy Chartrand, of course, in the uh, Hemi Cuda. Um, and then into the uh, close super modified that they built that uh, became Ed Thompson's first super. So, I gosh, back in the 70s, I guess it happened a lot more than even I thought about until I'm recalling back now. Um, there were a lot of modified guys that, that ran supers at least for a short time, and I'm sure there were probably drivers in other places that I just didn't don't recall. George Kent did it a, a couple of times. Uh, um, I don't know who in New England might have done it, uh, back then because I wasn't as aware of what was going on up there as far as to know that sort of thing. But um, I'm sure 
I'm sure there were opportunities there. Um, and again, I'm talking about modified drivers who crossed into supers, not super drivers who did both or whatever. Uh, but there were there were a number of them, and uh, so it's always fun when you get something like that. It's a different. Uh, gives you something different to pay attention to, and and you like to see how they stack up against the uh, the super modified drivers. Just like when our guys, our super guys, would cross into the modifieds, it was fun to to watch. Um, and that's happened a number of times over the years. Um, again, probably more so back in the seventies and maybe early eighties than you know so much now, but. Um, you know, but it, uh, it there have been a number of them, and some of them have done quite well. Um, of course, in the days of uh, in the in the 70s, you had uh, Jimmy Champagne, Chuck Siprich, and Jimmy Winks, who were all um, two surface drivers. Uh, Mark Letcher did some of that. Bob Stelter did some of that. I think Jamie Moore a time or two at Weedsport. Uh, gosh, who else I remember? There were a number of uh, guys. I, re- I do remember that Nolan Swift drove Merv Treichler's dirt car one year. I think that was in 73, and I did not go to that race. Um, that race was won by Gary Riker, who I guess would be a – how could I forget him? Um, they He not only went to both services, to both uh, divisions, he did it with the same car for a couple of years. Um, they would take the body off the modified, and he ran it as a super in 73 and 74 – uh, and then they built the new super, excuse me, and uh, and so they they then had two different cars. But um, yeah, I think Nolan Nolan made the race, and uh, I don't know the car probably broke. I would assume, as he finished, uh, gosh, way toward the back when he uh, when he drove it. But uh, um, I did not go. That my first classic and modified two hundred were in seventy four. Um, Actually, no, take that back. My first classic was 74. I did not go to the 200, um, which I, I hate that because obviously Jimmy won them both that year, so that would have been fun. But um, I did not go to the modified 200 until 1975, and I think Maynard Troyer was, uh, was the winner that year, if I remember correctly, in 75. So there you go. There's some... Uh, some useless facts and figures probably for most of you, but uh, it's fun to, to talk about the, the, the uh, you know, I love the crossover. And uh, you used to see a lot of that in racing in the old days. Now not so much because every division is so specialized that it just takes, takes a lot to be able to cross over and be successful. So you just don't see too much of it. Um, even in NASCAR and Indy, you very rarely now when we get somebody like a Kurt Busch that goes to Indy, for example, uh, you know, you, you always want to hope that they're in competitive stuff. I mean, we've had some Indy crossover to NASCAR. Even now, James Davison has run a bunch of cup races this year for Rick Ware Racing, but it's not competitive stuff. So um, it's, uh, it's fun to see it, but it's even more fun when you can get them in competitive equipment. Okay, one more little item of business to do here. Um, and that is, this is show 62. Uh, and when I thought about the number 62, that was one of those oddball numbers that I don't think we've had at Oswego in a long time in a super anyway. And I don't think in a 350 or a limited, um, I know the, the first time I remember hearing about a 62, was when people talked about Gordy Dukes. 
running in in the 62. And that was either late 60s or early 70s. And I remember Paul Baumhauer running as a 62. And I don't, it might have been the same car. I'm not sure. But that was also very early 70s, maybe around 72, perhaps. Um, and I think there might have been one other one in between the two of them. And again, this all might have been in the same car. I, I don't know. But um, I recall about three of them back years and years ago. Uh, and then I don't remember any more 62s at Oswego in recent years, except for the late Don Pratt in the Modifieds um, would have been would have been the guy who probably, if you just look at it in terms of a uh, number of times that he started a race at Oswego in a 62, I think he had the most. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think uh, there's been a 62 in the super modified as many times as Don Pratt ran it on his modified there. Um, but uh, yeah. So again, if any of you can uh, come up with any, uh, and, and and I, I mean, again, I'm I'm kind of remembering top of mind, so I don't look back through programs or anything. But feel free to to cheat, look it up, and do whatever <laughs> do whatever you need to do, and uh, drop it in the comments. It's just fun uh, playing these games, at least for me. And um and and, and it's just little ways we can kind of uh, have something to talk about in the comments, besides uh, how much I ramble every show. So. Thank you all for listening, and I, and I want to thank, uh, of course, Rich Worth uh, and JNS Paving. And man, I just news broke this week. O four SBS is for sale, so if uh, you're looking to get into SBS racing, it is a great car to get into to uh, go run up front. And I know that uh, all the folks involved with RBI Racing would help you out a ton uh, in terms of you know if you're not experienced or whatever. But uh, that car is for sale. And so the lineup gets shuffled over at RBI. Uh, Mike Bruce now goes to the 77 350 Super to replace Cameron Rowe. Now that 77 car is the ex-Dave Cliff Super that they um, purchased late last year. Um, And... uh, uh, Mike will be driving that, and then they bought um, one of the old Stout cars, Super Modifieds, to convert to a 350 for Cameron Rowe. So um, so Cameron will be in the newer of the two RBI 350s. Mike will be in the Cliff car. Both of them uh, will be quite fast, I'm sure. Mike's already been 16.8 with the, uh, with, with the Cliff car. And so now Rob Bruce... Um, perhaps, uh, will be, um, the only SBS driver in the, uh, in the group, I think. So, uh, should be fun to watch those guys, uh, next year. That's, that's, uh, they're a great bunch of guys and, um, certainly been uh, good to the show. So I appreciate, uh, Rich very much. And thank you, of course, as always to Sean Cathcart and Skip's Fish Fry, best fish in the city of Oswego and some of the best food overall. If you want to hop and hot dog or fish or a burger, whatever, um, he's got a bunch of stuff and he's always getting uh, new stuff that uh, they're adding to the menu there. 
Um, I think cheese curds are on the menu now. Um, so go uh, to Skip's and have some lunch, have some dinner, and uh, tell them that um, the folks from Inside Groove sent you. And, of course, Jeff West and his group from uh, Indie Performance Composites just really uh, can't say enough about Jeff for all the support that he's given as well. So thank you all for listening. Uh, that wraps up this show. We will uh, be back next week with uh, a Thompson preview, and we're going to get, we will have that show out on Friday. Uh, the last couple of weeks, my schedule has just been crazy. Things that I've been trying to finish up, projects on deadline, that sort of thing. Um, so hopefully this week um, will not be as bad because <laughs> I want to get the show out on Friday so you can all play it before uh, Thompson goes off over the weekend and uh, look forward to talking to you then. So once again, uh, thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody. And we will be back for the George Herbison episode number 63 of Inside Groove coming up in just a few days time. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indie, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing.